Welcome back to The Reporter's Notebook, an Inside the Daily Press podcast featuring SMDP reporters discussing the most interesting stories of the week and previewing upcoming items of interest. Inside the Daily Press podcasts are produced by the Santa Monica Daily Press, the city's premier news source for two decades. Visit smdp.com for the news of the day. Hello and welcome back to The Reporter's Notebook. This is Emily Sawicki. I am joined once again by fellow reporter Grace Adams. Hello. Um, How was your second week on the job, Grace? It was good. Definitely getting a little bit more comfortable with things. And yeah, I had some interesting stories this week. Very much looking forward to digging into um, some of the stories that you worked on this week. Um, And I know you have some exciting stuff that is coming up. But before we start talking about that, I wanted to introduce um, for our listeners, we have a new section of the Reporter's Notebook podcast. Um, We haven't, I don't think, formally named it yet. Tune in next week because we are uh, working on an election themed um, uh, some sort of sound effect for you guys to know we're talking about election coverage. Um, But for now, I will just say um, that at the start of the podcast, we are going to be talking about the latest just for the next 10 or so weeks until Election Day. And we do have a little bit of an update for you guys this week, and that has to do with the school board race. Um, So earlier this afternoon on um, Friday, we received an email from a a non-elected incumbent on the school board, Keith Coleman, who announced that he is formally withdrawing from the school board race. Keith was appointed in January of 2021 after Oscar De La Torre, who had been on the school board for almost 20 years Um, was elected to city council and um, therefore had to give up his seat on the school board. So Keith has never been elected, but he's been on the board long enough to have that name recognition that's so valuable. Um, But he sent us an email and said that he was going to be withdrawing from the race due to some family commitments. He told us that he has a sick relative that he's going to be taking care of. So um, that is the latest, and that comes only a, a week or two after another incumbent on the school board, Craig Foster, also reached out and let us know that he would not be seeking re-election as well. So now there are four vacancies and two incumbents, um, that's Richard Tavalderon Dresswine and Lori Lieberman, um, are 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 running to retain their seats, and um, five newcomers um, are also hoping to get um, one of those four seats as well. Yeah, really interesting stuff. So something that uh, Grace and I were talking about is this phenomenon that we've been seeing of incumbents giving up um, their seats. I know that, um, in your district, your councilman, um, Mike Bonin has said that he, he's, he's not going for it. (laughs) And we've sort of seen that up and down the coast as well. Um, I know that in Malibu, um, where I used to work, the two council members who were elected in 2018 and would be up for their first, um, reelection have both declined, um, to, uh, to pull papers, they they in, in no way started campaigning for that race. They said that they were done. 
Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting. And of course, we also have that on council here. Um, right. Mayor Sue Himmelrich has long said that she's not um, going to run for a third term, and she stood by that. And then Krista McCowan, um, sort of surprisingly, also you know said that that she's not running either. So mm-hmm. we're seeing um, a lot of empty seats um, yeah. right now that we're not we're not necessarily used to seeing. So yeah. it's pretty interesting. Okay, so that was our election <laughs> corner, um, and so much more uh, more to come on that. But um, now we can sort of dig into the stories that we worked on. And I know, Grace, you got a tip on um, a new loan program um, for people yeah. sort of on, you know, on the verge of homelessness. Do you want to sort of talk about what the, that STEP program is? Yeah, so that's right. So there's a new a new program. It's called the STEP Fund. Um, and what it is basically is it, it's a nonprofit organization that has up until now been in a pre-pilot phrase, but what they're doing is they're providing microloans to people who are at risk of eviction or who are having other housing challenges. And the goal of the program is to prevent more people from um, becoming homeless by preventing them from being evicted in the first place or from losing their housing in the first place. So that's really the, the goal behind the program. Um, and I talked to the founder of the program, whose name is Adam Miller, and he he lives in the L.A. area. So the program is um, L.A. County wide. So anyone in L.A. County can apply for it. Um, and his his idea is that many people become homeless as a result of some sort of financial shock in their life. So something like medical happens, something in their family that they're just not able to pay rent. Maybe just it's just for one month. So what he's trying to do is be able to give those people a resource to get that money um, by giving them a loan. The maximum loan that you can receive through the step fund is $2,500. And it comes interest-free. So no interest. You pay back exactly how much you take out. And recipients have up to three years to pay that back. And after that, there are no penalties, which is something I found really interesting. And I I asked him about and he said that he's hoping that the recipients will be incentivized to pay it back just for the sake of keeping the program going because any money that they pay back will then be able to be used again to to give to somebody else. And yeah, so like I said, it's in the pre-pilot phase. So, so far they've just tested it with 35 participants in LA County. And I got, to, uh, got a chance to speak to one of those um, recipients. Her name is Courtney Bailey. And she told me a little bit about her her situation. She has five children. She said she was living in a very small apartment. um, And she got a chance to move to a larger four-bedroom apartment that she said was much nicer, um, better facilities, all of that. But she needed to pay a $500 down payment to secure it. And she had to do that within 10 days. And she told me that at that point in time, she was on leave from work due to COVID and she just did not have that money to be able to pay. So she contacted the step fund and they gave her that money, which the money goes directly to the landlord or to whoever needs it. And yeah, she's been living in that new apartment with her kids since last fall. And yeah, so now they're testing it on a thousand recipients is their next goal. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that has already started. So applications are open now. Cool. Mm -hmm. I am. Yeah, I read this story, um, and what really struck me is that I guess if it weren't for the step fund, what mm-hmm. a lot of people go to is payday lenders. Right. Um, and I know that in recent years, California has really been trying to crack down on predatory loan practices. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the three-year timeline for 
for paying that back um, is fascinating. Yeah. Is there a contingency for people to to walk away from this? I mean, with with no penalties? Yeah. So he said, um, as I said before, he's he's hoping that ideally in an ideal world, people will pay it back. But he has accounted for in the in the organization's financing. He's accounted for an up to 30 percent default rate on loans and has accounted for that with his projections. Know, projections. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Courtney, the woman I spoke to said that she has already started paying back her loan and she pretty much said exactly what he was hoping would happen is that she wants to be able to essentially pay it forward to somebody else who might need that money in the future now that she doesn't need it anymore. That's super cool. Yeah. So speaking of, I guess, people on the edge of eviction, Mm -hmm. um, the rent control has been such a hot topic in town. definitely. And uh, the city basically has been scrambling in the past couple of weeks to prepare for this September 1st deadline. Um, something that I didn't understand about rent control coming to Santa Monica mm-hmm. um, is that there's basically an annual rent increase allowance. Like mm-hmm. rent control landlords are allowed to increase rent once a year mm-hmm. and it's on September 1st. Um, yep. And this year the, the algorithm sort of shot out this number 6%. Mm-hmm. And it created, you know, this maelstrom. Is that is that the word I'm looking for? You know, I can't say that's a word I've heard before. You know what? If it's not the right word, we'll cut it. And if it (laughs) is, I'm going to sound really smart. There you go. So um, um, this week I wrote about um, a few different programs. You're very busy. (laughs) I've been very busy this week. Um, The rent relief um, is is one of sort of the three things on the horizon. And this is a program, um, the applications for that begin on Monday the 29th. But if, um, if you or someone you know is in the position of being severely rent burdened, which means paying more than half of your monthly income toward your rent, then you can apply to the city there. It's pretty um, stringent, uh, sort of hoops you have to jump through, Mm -hmm. I guess, to to qualify. Um, But they, the city has a fund set up um, to help you bridge that gap, Mm -hmm. basically. Um, And all all of these programs um, have uh, their eyes set on this January 31st deadline. And that is because um, there is a ballot proposal on the November ballot um, that, uh, would take that 6% and knock it back down mm-hmm. to 3% effective February 1st. So the way that that works, and uh, I'm, I'm spelling it out here even though we've written about it a few weeks ago because frankly, I didn't understand it at the time. Yeah. Um, but it's, if your rent goes up 6% starting you know, next week and uh, this ballot proposal passes starting February 1st, there's going to be a massive correction so that the average rent increase for the year is 3%, which means your rent will go down to 0.8% increase. Um, so that'll be interesting. That's a ballot proposal. And the city yeah. seems pretty confident that that's going to pass because all of these things are sort of going into effect with this date in mind. So when I say all of these things, I'm sort of talking out of order because there's also this eviction moratorium that right, passed. I was going to ask you about that. Um, and that's also very narrow. It only applies to people who have a COVID-19 
cause okay. for for their um, their shortfall. Mm-hmm. But um, what's interesting about this eviction moratorium is that if your rent increases, you, you live in a rent control unit, uh-huh. your rent goes up more than 3% per month, and your um, the, the cause of the reason that you can't pay is COVID-19, mm-hmm. you cannot be evicted even if you stop paying your rent at all. Wow. And yeah, that, that was something that um, two of the seven council members did not agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, they thought that there should be an eviction moratorium, but only for people who can't make up the difference. Mm. Um, so there was a long debate about it before council this week and um, and a five to two vote. They decided that, you know, it should apply to people who aren't paying rent at all yeah. um, in that period. Although that you'll have to pay that back by September 1st of 2023 mm. or you can be evicted. So it's not erasing that debt. Okay. Um, but yeah, so a a lot of protections are in place because there's a big, um, concern about people falling into homelessness and this like sort of concept about, um, preventing homelessness from even, you know, beginning. Yeah, definitely. Um, you've also been writing about some other interesting things this week, specifically libraries. I have been writing about libraries, um, there's a lot of, I think, excitement about library hours expanding yes. um, because for the last two and a half years, the libraries have either, I mean, they went from being open for like over 200 hours a week mm-hmm. to being completely shut down during COVID. Right. Um, and now it's been a really slow process. A lot of residents have reached out to us and said that it's been too slow of a process, mm-hmm. but you know, it's a, a, a lot of it is just facts and figures. Like the, mm-hmm. if the city doesn't have the money, you know, to put toward these, um, these facilities, but um, the news of the day is that um, all five library branches are going to be open at some capacity mm-hmm. starting this fall. And that includes the Fairview branch, which is the last library to reopen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, every neighborhood library is going to have at least some hours starting this fall, thanks to this half a million dollars that um, the city has approved mm-hmm. um, to go toward the library system. Gotcha. So when you are um, not hanging out at one of the library branches um, and looking for maybe something to do this weekend, I've heard that there's an event at church in Ocean Park. Is that right? Yes, there is. That is true. There is on Sunday evening at 5 p.m. It's a virtual event, actually, so it's not actually at the church, (laughs) but it is very much about the church. Um, It is part of the Santa Monica Conservancy's Mosaic series, which is a series they've been doing over the last few years about sort of the different people, places, and communities that make up Santa Monica. Yeah, and so they're focusing on the church. They're going to go over the history a little bit because it has had a long-standing presence in Santa Monica. I believe it's been around since 1875, I want to say, but we can check that. Um, but yeah, it's just a really interesting place. As you may or may not know, it's a multi-faith community. So it was originally a Methodist church, but it's come to be very inclusive and pluralistic and also very socially um, involved in the community. So there's a ton of programs that run out of the church, um, but it has been closed for the last 10 months due to some ceiling issues. They had some serious damage to the to the ceiling of the building, so they haven't been able to actually run any programs at that physical location. 
Um, so this this program, this event, is not specifically a fundraising event, but the the pastor of the church is hoping that it will raise some awareness about sort of the role that the church plays in the community and, and possibly uh, make people more inclined to donate to have it repaired. So yeah, that's happening Sunday, the 28th at 5 p.m. Cool. Um, do, do you have any information about um, that repair and, and what's going to go into it or the timeline or like anything? I, I don't. To be honest, I don't know a lot about the church. It's been closed mm-hmm. the whole time that I've been in the community. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious about like that damage. You, do you know anything else about it? Yeah. So I do know that it, it's pretty ex- extensive. Um, I think it's worse than they initially thought it was. And so they have been, there has been an ongoing fundraising campaign that you can find if you go to the church's website. If you just Google Church in Ocean Park, it'll come up. We'll put it in the show notes. Yes. And they do have, they have raised a significant amount towards their goal. I'm not sure of the exact numbers, but it will say on the website. But I do know that they still need quite a bit more to actually do those repairs. Okay. You wrote a story about that. So if you yeah. want to learn more, that's on newsstands today. Yes. Um, and something else that's on newsstands today, um, it, and it has to do with an upcoming um, event, is this mm-hmm. uh, Samo High groundbreaking. Yeah. So um, what can you tell me about that project at Samo High? Yeah, that's right. So on Monday, there is a groundbreaking ceremony at Samo High for two new buildings that are going to um, be constructed. So one is a gymnasium. So it's going to be called the Gold Gym. Um, I've seen the the digital renderings. It looks very fancy. Not um, to be confused with Gold's Gym. Right. Yes, every time I important, see it, I'm like, important distinction they? for sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's a multiple story gym. They have multiple basketball courts, other types of courts, um, bleachers for up to 800 people, I believe. There's going to be a yoga studio, dance studio. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be quite something. Wow. So that is one of those buildings. And then the other is they're calling it the exploration building. And it's essentially going to be a multi-use, multi-purpose kind of building. Um, I, I read that they designed it to be able to be flexible so that they can convert the space to be used for a lot of different things. Um, but yeah, so definitely be interesting to, to follow that construction and to, to see how it looks when it's done. Yeah, um, I know that's been a big push yes. for the campus is mm-hmm. like 21st century learning. That's yeah. sort of like the, the buzz phrase. Yes. Um, but I've uh, never heard of a high school with a yoga studio in their yeah, gym. Me either. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that that'll mm-hmm. be really interesting. And you're going to be there. You're going to be taking pictures. Yes, that's right. right. I will be there. I'll, yeah, take pictures of the site. And then they're also offering tours of another building that is also new that has recently opened. I believe it was last year that it opened. And yeah, that's called the Discovery Building. I've heard it is also quite something. So I'll be sure to take lots of pictures. Awesome. Okay, well, we have that to look forward to in the paper next week. Um, And I think that's all that we have to talk about. I think so. Um, But go ahead and visit smdp.com because we've written about even more than we could fit in this podcast. Um, And aside from that, we'll be here next week. Thanks for listening to Inside the Daily Press. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts or listen on our website at smdp.com slash pod. Music for Inside the Daily Press is provided by The Brig Band, LA's premier jam band. To find out when and where you can hear them live, visit thebrigband.com.